Okay, so we've been talking a lot about the sellers, which teams are sellers this trade deadline, and we focus plenty on teams like, oh, I don't know, the San Jose Sharks, for example, maybe Timo Meyer, maybe Nick Benino, maybe both, maybe even Eric Carlson as well. We've talked plenty about, oh, I don't know, the Chicago Blackhawks. How about them? We've talked about Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze. We've talked about Murphy. We've talked about McCabe. We've talked about Domi. Um, how about another team? How about how about the Anaheim Ducks? And we're focusing in on a number of defensemen, whether it's a Kevin Shattenkirk over there or a John Klingberg over here. And we've talked plenty, and I mean plenty, in the last 18 months or so about the Arizona Coyotes. And yes, the Jacob Chikrin question is still out there, as is the Shane Gostas Bear question, as is the Nick Bukestad question, as is that 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 the. But is it time that we introduce another seller into the trade deadline marketplace? How close are we, after they dropped a 4-2 decision to the Arizona Coyotes, and face the Boston Bruins tomorrow, so it doesn't get any easier. How close are we to adding the Nashville Predators in the sellers category? Well, according to David Poyle, their general manager, the Preds might be close. Here's David Poyle on Robbie and Rexroad, Joe Rexroad and Robbie Stanley on 102.5, the game in Nashville from yesterday. Have a listen. I guess, would you have to be... In in a much worse position mathematically uh, by that day or by that uh, direct time period to seriously consider selling. Uh, that's what keeps me up at night. Or, you know, right now we're you know we're still below the line, not in the playoffs, or uh, running out of time. Uh, just like this interview, I've been talking about inconsistency and people uh, need to play better, but that hasn't happened on a regular basis. So uh, I, I do not think we're a buyer. Let's let's start with that. And I think if things don't you know, change more favorably and get in some kind of winning streak, we are certainly could be a could be a seller. But that's not today. That's not today, but it could be soon. I mentioned they face off against the Boston Bruins tomorrow. Right now, math not looking great for the Nashville Predators. They're chasing the Calgary Flames, who are in turn chasing the Minnesota Wild. Everybody's chasing that second wild card spot as we speak. Now, the Minnesota Wild seem to be doing everything in their power to hand over that second wild card spot. And you can make the argument, I suppose, that the Calgary Flames are doing the same. So maybe Nashville still has a puncher's chance in this one. Um, they do have games in hand over Calgary. They do have games in hand over Minnesota. But as the games go on and we see the performances, we wonder how close David Poyle is to saying enough's enough and it's time to start some type of rebuild. Now, keep in mind as well, this is what David Poyle had in mind a couple of years ago. When the National Predators were this close, not unlike the St. Louis Blues in 2018-19, to blowing the thing up. And maybe not starting exactly from scratch, but at least starting to put the pieces in place for what the next version of this team is going to look like. But UC Saros had other plans. The team made the playoffs, and all of a sudden we hit pause on the idea of Nashville rebuilding. But it looks like we're getting there again. And if you're a fan of the Edmonton Oilers and you hear... David Poyle talk about not being a buyer for sure and maybe being a seller. You know, your ears probably perk up and say, we're interested in Eckholm. Eckholm available. We'd be interested here in Edmondson. Now, I'm not saying that Eckholm will be available, but those are one of the names that's been bandied about if the Nashville Predators really fall out of this thing. 
I think a lot of people as well well, uh, wonder about someone like Ryan McDonough as well. Like when you look at the Nashville Predators roster, if indeed they're going to be sellers, there's a lot of tough contracts to move, whether it's Ryan Johansson, whether it's Matt Deshane, whether it's Mikhail Granlund. Like there's some tough ones here if they're going to move. And there are just some that flat out you just don't want to move. And I think of players like, you know, Roman Yossi, their captain, who's always in the conversation for the Norris Trophy, to say nothing of UC Saros, their star netminder. Although they do have one Yaroslav Askarov on the horizon in net, the future of the uh, Nashville Predators. Will be interesting to see which way the Nashville Predators go. Again, tough loss against Arizona, 4-2. Ugh. That pill goes down sideways. Tough one to swallow for John Hines, for David Poyle, for the Nashville Predators. Tomorrow they face the Bruins. And um, we wonder and we watch to see which direction the Nashville Predators and their general manager, David Poyle, go. Let's get the show started. Welcome to the Merrick Show. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, I want to thank Matt Marchese for filling in yesterday, although I'll be blunt, Matt lied to you. I wasn't on assignment. That's a nice smoke screen. That's a nice camouflage. I was actually being uh, kept off the show yesterday for trade-related reasons. Um, General Manager Dan Toman has been uh, trying to move me to another station for a number of months, if not years now. Uh, my agent told me he offered me up to groups all over North America, other hockey broadcasters trying to bring in. Uh, but the best they can come up with was a, a slightly used Colby Armstrong. So they decided to not make the deal, and I'm back. Actually, speaking of Colby, uh, his kid right now playing for the Junior Penguins in the the vaunted and famous Quebec Pee Wee tournament. As we play right now, I just texted Colbs before the show began, the Junior Penguins uh, beating the Connecticut Junior Whale by a score of two nothing heading into the third period. So good luck to good luck to Colby's kid Cruiser and the Junior Penguins. Uh, looks like they're going to win this one. We cross our fingers there. Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada aboard with me today. Hello, Freach. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, I'm good, and I'm wondering about Arizona, and I'm wondering about the term trade-related reasons. And I know mm-hmm. you talked to Maddie about that a little bit yesterday, but I had a couple points that I want to polish on this one, but. Um, on the Robbie and Rex Road uh, show yesterday, I wanted two point five, one or two five. The game in Nashville, you know, David Poyle really didn't mince words. He said, "We're definitely not buyers," you know, and w- wasn't going to go as far as saying we're definitely sellers at this point. Um, but it seemed to indicate that they're pretty close to making that decision. Tough loss against Arizona, four to two. They got the Boston Bruins on the horizon tomorrow. That's a tough one. How close are we? Do you think to saying? Nashville Predators. Let's include them in the trade deadline group that includes, but is not exclusive to, Chicago, Arizona, Anaheim, San Jose, affectionately referred to as the Sellers. Well, look, I mean, all you have to do, Jeff, is is look at the math. They're, they're, they're five points out of a playoff berth. Now they have games in hand on Minnesota. They got games in hand in Calgary. But there's still no room for error. Um, you know, even if they win yeah. both their games in hand, they're still behind Minnesota. And if they win all their games in hand, there's a point. They're a point ahead of Calgary. But that's everything you need to know. And if you're losing a home game to Arizona without Chickwood in the lineup, you know that's a that's a really bad sign. Now, I have to say this: I, I've 
I've had some people who really pushed back on the idea of Eckholm being available. Um, and we'll, I think we'll get some clarity on that over the next little bit. But, you know, I, like I said, I've had some people push back on that idea. We'll see. Um, but I do think they look like David Poyle, he, he sees what he's got there. He, like the idea that they're not buyers, that's a smart play. And we'll see where we go here. But, um, I think that game against Arizona was everything you need to know about Nashville. It's not just one game. It's just where they are in the overall yeah. standings. It seems as if, though, you know, I mentioned this off the top. You and I have talked about this. This is kind of a couple years in the making, and it was a couple of years ago that Poyle was, you know, faced with the decision, do we, and I don't know, completely blow it up or just tear it down a little bit, take a few bricks uh, out of here, maybe move this window over there and, you know, uh, maybe, you know, tear down the garage and build something new. They were looking at doing something by way of rebuild a couple of seasons ago until Mm -hmm. UC Saro said, not on my watch, David, not on my watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think also, too, some, some players had really big years last year. <laughs> you know, Forsberg had a big year. Duchesne had a big year. Uh, Yossi is Yossi. Um, you know, I think I think they had they, – like, they overachieved last year. I think a lot of people thought they were going to be worse than they were. But they, you know, they played well. And, um, you know, there's a business aspect to this, too. Um, uh, uh, like we talked, We've talked about this, like, sometimes – People who say tear down, tear down, they don't have financial skin in the game. And when you're yeah. kind of looking at it that way, um, it, it can change your decisions. I, I think, look, I, I think the team last year, even though they got wiped out in the first round of the playoffs without Saros, they gave Poyle reason to pause. And now I think the question yeah. is going to be, he's not, look, he, he basically said it, they're, they're not a buyer and now we're going to see what they're going to do. And I think he's going to try to move a defenseman. I'm not convinced it's at home. I don't think it's going to be Carrier. I think it's like a, a Fabro or something else there. And we'll see what he does up front. But I, I agree with you. I don't think they're buyers. Uh, okay, so turn the page on Nashville then. Um, I'm going to play part of the Mark Giordano interview that you and I did yesterday um, at the Toronto Maple Police Practice Facility. And the podcast has been released this morning. Everyone can go have a listen on your favorite uh, platform. Um, but what were your takeaways from talking to Giordano? Like, to me, he's... He's one of the great stories in the NHL, never drafted in junior. As a matter of fact, you know, spoke to someone who talked about his first day in training camp with the, with uh, with Owen Sound. And it, uh, this person said to me, he went on the ice and looked like he was, you know, playing at Westwood or, you know, Westwood Rink 4, like a beer league game. Like the socks mm-hmm. were different colors and there's a beer league jersey and the old beaten up gloves. Like he wasn't wearing any Owen Sound gear and he was sort of told like, you know what, you're, you're, you're on the team. You might want to put on some different, uh, some different hockey gear. Never drafted in the OHL, never drafted in the NHL. Uh, he's played over 1,000 games, uh, won a Norris Trophy. We talk about jumping over hurdles. He's done it. Uh, what did you make of the conversation we had with Giordano yesterday? Well, I really enjoyed it. He was really engaged. Uh, there, there's no question about that. I really, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, you know, I, I think that like, there's a lot to admire about him. Like he's a th- Tonight will be his 1,079th game, I think. Um, there's, you know, I was looking at it the other night. Uh, Wayne Simmons, 
I th- he's at 1,000, I want to say 1,032 games, and I think he's 300th in NHL history. So you, you look at that, and there's probably about 250 players or give or take that have played more games in NHL history than Mark Giordano. And I don't think he became a regular in the NHL until he was like, until he was like 27, something like that. 26, 27 years old. It's a, it's a really incredible career. Um, you know, his answer, and I'll, you know, I want people to listen, so I don't want to give it away. But his answer about, you know, how long he'd play and what could determine it. Uh, he's got a good sense of humor. He told some good stories about. Ron Francis and, and Milan Lucic and, and William <laughs> Nylander. And, yeah. uh, he was in a good mood yesterday. By the way, Jeff, someone was sending me uh, a note today, uh, Michael Lieboff, yeah. friend of the pod, that and, and your show, oh, yeah. that the Leafs, uh, yeah. going back to 2006, I think the Leafs are the third biggest favorite of any one game tonight going back to 2006. I think there's a I think they're like minus 550 tonight and I think there's only yeah. two teams that have ever been uh bigger favorites. Always so you're taking the Hawks. Getting, yeah, three teams. Uh Colorado against Montreal this year uh or okay. last year, Colorado against Arizona last year. And Florida against Montreal on New Year's Eve this year, and the lease uh, he has the lease at minus six hundred. So this is okay. this is one of those games. Yeah, I'm taking the Hawks. Like this is one of those games where people <laughs> think it's set up for the home team. No question about it. Yeah. Big wagering. Well, on it's the a return Leafs tonight. Yes, it's the uh, it's the return of Austin Matthews tonight. By the way, uh, as you yep. all know, um, Wayne Sim- Wayne Simmons is currently on waivers. We'll find out at two o'clock here, uh, two o'clock Eastern, what happens. And whenever the Hawks play, and listen, when you're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's it's media circus. Like it's it's over coverage, and that's what people want. Um, mm-hmm. The Patrick Kane question is very much yep. going to be out there. You know, I, I think I mentioned this to you on the weekend. You know, I was told by someone, let's just say close to the situation, that my job was to find out where Patrick Kane's heart was because yep. his heart was in Chicago and then it was in New York. Uh, that went south when they made their move. And my job is to find out where Patrick Kane's heart is now. Do you think there's a piece of Patrick Kane's heart as he's the one, you know, controlling the destiny here? Is there a piece of his heart in Toronto, you think? I think the bigger question is the other way around, and that is, is that does Toronto see a fit? Um, you know, I look at the way the Maple Leafs want to play. Uh, they they want to mm-hmm. play fast. And, I, like, I just don't know if that's going to fit. I, I just, I, like, like, to me, it's an issue of pacing. Is Kane going to be able to play at the pace? Like, I, you know, and to be honest, I, I can't believe on some level I'm even saying this, Jeff, because it's, it's Hall of Famer. Patrick I get it. Kane. I know. Uh, and it's almost like you're committing, like, slander against this guy by saying it. But I, I just, I just, I don't know. Like, how, like, do you see that being, do you see that being a fit for what Toronto wants to do? You know, it's a fit in my, you know, coming off of Valentine's Day, in my romantic hockey heart, the idea of Austin Matthews playing with Patrick Kane. Yeah, like that, yeah, that's course. where it lives yeah. for me. That, that, that's where that lives for me. But then when I take a step back, I say to myself, well, no, probably not. Much like I look at the Winnipeg Jets 
And my hockey heart says, yeah, man, Jonathan Taves all the way. And then mm-hmm. I look at, you know, with all due respect, and again, like one of the great, you know, centers of this era, I say to myself, can Jonathan Taves keep up with how the Winnipeg Jets play? And then my brain takes over and says, well, you know what? Enough about your heart. Your head is saying no, and that's who you should listen to. Yeah, I like that's the thing for me. I think, look, I, I, like I think obviously Kane's disappointed. Uh, you know, for anyone who thought it was the Rangers and no one else, he certainly got some ammunition last week. Now he's got to kind of redistribute and and figure out where he wants to go here. Like you know, you, you know, we you thought Dallas, I could see a better yep. fit. Like some of Dallas's lines play really fast. Others are, I think, um, potentially more at this pace. Um, uh, so I I get that. Um, Vegas, I see. Some of the player, some of the way they play, it could be more at his pace. But the other thing is, I, I don't like to me. Edmonton doesn't make a lot of sense either, because you've got a thirty percent power play, and so are you going to put Kane on it? And if you're not going to have Kane on your power play, does that make sense? Yeah. So, like when I when I when I think about Toronto and Kane, I look at fit, and I just. I, I don't see that being a stylistic match. I, I I really don't. I understand why. Like like I've never known you to be a romantic guy, Jeff. Like I I understand why you think the romance of Matthews Kane makes sense. I just don't know if I see it as a match right now. That's all. Yeah. I, I like you I, think I about totally like, like that. that we'll, we'll see what happens with Tampa. That series with Tampa is going to be a brutal series. And like, I just wonder. Do they think that that's what they need? Uh, no, I think the Maple Leafs have enough of that skill. I think they need. Uh, I think they need nastier players, and I think they need bigger players, specifically up front. And yes, I'm talking around the idea of Timo Meyer here, maybe even Tyler Bertuzzi. But we'll park that for a second because what I want to ask you about is the idea of keeping players out for trade-related reasons. Now, I can't imagine the NHL particularly likes keeping players out of the lineup, players that are of interest to other teams, players that are of interest to the fans. I get that it's a business, and we all understand why they're doing it. I do think about people that have the nerve to buy tickets to go watch games, and maybe you want to see Jacob Chicklin when he rolled into town because you like him for whatever reason, and boom, he's not playing, not because he's hurt, but because they want to move him. Mm-hmm. Part of me understands it, and part of me really hates it. Now, this goes back to the heart and head thing. My heart says I hate it. My head says I understand it. The one thing that I keep coming back to is, and I don't know if the NHL could do this or even weigh in on this publicly or otherwise. I'm okay with it as long as it's the player that's asked to be moved. Mm-hmm. And then the team is reacting and protecting their assets. The player has asked for the trade. But if not, I'm not so sure that I, that I like the idea of, you know, Team X just trying to nerf the world around a player because they're going to try to move them come trade deadline time. I don't know if I'm, you know, uh, parsing this a little bit too fine, but what are your thoughts on the idea of keeping players out for trade-related reasons? Well, okay, so I was, I was, first of all, I think in, 
I think in Arizona's case, I think Chikrin is okay with this. I think Chikrin understands um, that uh, um, that they're, they they feel that the, his his trade value may never be higher than it is now. He's had a really good year, a really good year. Mm-hmm. He has done what has been asked of him. And and I will say this, Jeff, there is a conspiracy theory that maybe he tweaked something very minor, and that's one of the reasons yeah. that Arizona decided to do this. And so whatever the case is, I don't think you're going to have Chikrin complaining. Now, I saw Gavrikov's quotes yesterday, and he is practicing today, but he was like, yeah, he I kind of want this to be over. I don't like not playing. I don't think he's as crazy about it as Chikrin is. Mm-hmm. Now, the Players Association's position on this is if the player is going to be okay with it, you know, there's not much we can do. I think that if a player was to really scream about it, like it's, it's, it's an interesting one because the player's still being paid, the player's not being prevented from doing anything, what is the PA's power over lineup decisions? But I think if a player was really unhappy, they would raise a stink. Mm-hmm. The league has been very quiet on this one. But in the past, Bettman's been asked about it, and he has shown some understanding as long as the player was about to be traded. I can tell you this. Like someone said to me today, look at Arizona's schedule. Tampa tonight, Kings, Columbus, that's not a big game. Calgary, Nashville, Chicago, Dallas before the deadline. So you've got games there against Tampa, Kings, Flames, Nashville, Dallas, who are all either battling to make the playoffs or are trying to get seeding or home ice advantage in the playoffs. You look at Columbus's schedule, Winnipeg tomorrow, Dallas, again, Arizona, Minnesota, Edmonton, Minnesota, Buffalo. Those are a lot of games against teams battling to make the playoffs or looking for seeding. I do think there are people here who do not like this for that reason. It's not those teams. Yes, because it's who those teams are playing against. So I'm looking at that. I'm with you. I'm looking at, let's say, Tampa. If I'm Toronto and Arizona's not playing Chikrin, I'm pissed. I look at Los Angeles, and I think if I'm Seattle, for example, and Arizona's not playing Chikrin, I'm pissed. If I'm the Winnipeg Jets and Arizona's playing Dallas and they're not dressing Chikrin, I'm pissed. Like, I know that Arizona is already at a competitive disadvantage by the way they've constructed their lineup, but now they're deliberately making it... And it really didn't matter a whoop against Nashville on Monday, but they're making it deliberately easier for those teams to pick up two points. Those are the ones that I can see being pissed for each. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think there, there are people who look at this and say, this is not right. This is not what we want. And it'll be interesting to see, like, does Chikrin just sit out for two, three weeks? You know, does does... And, 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 like, that's the thing. Like, where do we, where do we go here? Yeah. And, and, See, the, and the, the thing, thing here, I'm, and the I'm... thing here is that this could change it. Like, these are the most, as I'm writing today in my notes, 
these are the most difficult ones to, to, to write because everything can change with one phone call. But I think there sure. are people uncomfortable with the fact that it's already been four-plus days for Chikrin. Mm-hmm. And seemingly no end in sight. Like, one of the things that I think we're wondering about now about Chikrin, and maybe this is more of a, this, no, this really isn't about Chikrin. This is about more about Arizona and this deal. Do you think I'd be off base? Because you mentioned this about the Chikrin deal on the weekend, that there was a holdup about, about money. Um, do you think that, because here, here's where I'm at this morning. I feel that what might be holding this up is the Arizona Coyotes don't want to take back any money that exceeds what Jacob Chikrin's contract would be. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, they'd probably like it a lot less. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe after having conversations this morning. Do you think I'm on base or off base on that? I, I'm getting, like, I, I had heard that a contract was the issue. Uh, I got some pushback on it. Not as much, not a ton, yeah. but some. Um, it's going to be really interesting when all this is over to sit, to sit people down and really think about and, and go through the process. Like, it's interesting. Like, I had, like, I've heard that there was a contract issue, and we talked about that on the pod. And other people have said to me simply, L.A. has a standing offer out there, and Arizona hasn't agreed to it. They don't think it's enough. And I had someone else tell me that they think that it's a combination of both but the Coyotes think about this as two separate deals. The one deal for Chikrin and the other deal for if you need us to take money to make it work. So it's, it's a really unique kind of situation. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of all of that. So, you know, I, like, like I, I will say this. I remember, and I told you this uh, on the weekend, and we talked about it on the pod that the Kings were saying like this is nowhere near as close as everybody thinks it is. And to this point, that has proven to be absolutely true. And we got to find out why. Is it simply that they haven't made the offer that Arizona likes? Is it simply that is it because they don't have an agreement on how to make all the salaries work? And, or and, and I'll, I'll tell you something else too, like. There's people out there saying that Arizona knew they weren't close with L.A., that they threw this out there to make uh, other uh, t- to make other teams get in, which I think on some level has happened. And then, you know, I think, and then there come the conspiracy theories, which, like, is one, a minor injury, which, which I will yeah. say this, there are some teams believe that that's the case. Like, not a thing that would concern you about trading for them, but, like, a tweak or something like that, and they were just, like, the end. And then there was someone who said to me, if you watch the last shift on Friday night against Chicago, uh, Chikrin gets burned on the overtime winner by Caleb Jones, and they benched him. Now, I don't think that's true, but, you know, like, like, that's what happens. It goes, when, when when there's this much of a news vacuum, it goes wild. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, and it has, and it will continue to. Um, la- last one here. Uh, so last night we were treated to a couple of beauty games. Um, yep. Boston and Dallas, 3-2, yep. David Pasternak. Jake Ottinger was great uh, all the way as yep. well for Dallas. That was a gorgeous game. And then Tampa and Colorado was another gorgeous game. Colorado goes up, Tampa comes back. Um, that toe save that Vasilevsky made to keep it 2-1 yep. is yep. probably one of the best saves we've seen all year for yep. Um And they end up they end up winning that one in a, in, a, in a shootout. Do you have a thought on either of these two games? I know you were writing last night. It's a busy night for you. But from the games that you glanced at, I mean, I keep coming back to Tampa and, you know, the, the Vasilevsky show that that was. He was tremendous last night. Do you have a thought on either of those two? Because we were treated to, like, they weren't, it wasn't Calgary New York from the week before. No, these nobody were still was fighting. two outstanding games. Yeah, no one was well, fighting. But you know what? We looked at both of these, and, but we looked at both of them. We said, you know what? If uh, if one of these two combinations is the Stanley Cup final, I'm great with that. Oh, yeah. I The passionate goal, the winner, I, I, it's so funny because oh. it reminded it remind <laughs> me of like my novice hockey days. So we all tried to shoot the puck and we, <laughs> and, like, and we end up on our asses because we couldn't yeah. do it. And he scored. Like, we weren't even making contact back then, and Pasternak is blowing it into the net. Um, you know, I I thought it was a great game. I thought the Tampa Colorado game was a was a great game. You know, as much as the regular season, there's there's too many games I, I wish had more passion in them. Like when you get two yeah. really good teams, especially East versus West, they get they get riled up for each other. Like you know, That's like great. Tampa got. Uh, Colorado got embarrassed by Tampa last week. They were riled up to play them last night. They didn't win, but they were riled up to play them. And Boston and and Dallas, like you can see those two teams were like, okay, the Stars are looking at this going, okay, this is the NHL's best team. And the Bruins are looking at them like, oh, this is one of the West's best. Let's see what we all got here. And uh, this is why... Like, people say that teams from each conference shouldn't have to play each other. I hate that. I hate no. it so much. I yeah, think I'm you saying. are I'm I saying. think you are hurting your business by not having everybody visit everybody at least once. And those two games yep. are perfect example. Now, are there enough games like that? No, but there's there's those two yeah. games are the reason why you have to do it. Uh, And a final thought, too. Uh, Great night for the Buffalo Sabres. Florida loses, the Islanders lose, and the Washington Capitals lose as well. Everything last night uh, coming up. Buffalo Islanders now have lost three in a row against teams that, you know, really, if you're going to make this charge, you got to beat Vancouver, Montreal, and then the Ottawa Senators. Ouch. Um, The Islanders are leaking points. And, by the way, Pittsburgh, the math is good, and Crosby is going. Crosby's been outstanding. I think he's like, yeah. what is it, the last three weeks, he's been the second leading scorer in the NHL. I think he's I got, got 17 points the in the eddies. last 11 games or something like that. Something like that. I'm new to hockey. Is that good, Elliot? I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of new to the sport. Is that a good setup? Sources good say that's good. Sources say we're out of time. Uh, thanks for each. Uh, back to note writing, and uh, we'll check you out tomorrow. Speak to you there. There is Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts.